Welcome back to Half the Battle. I'm your host as always, Daniel Levy. Normally your co-host is Shaq, but uh, we're kind of separated right now uh, with this quarantine. Uh, we're quarantining in two separate locations. Uh, almost done with my 14-day quarantine, but man, this this episode today is just for y'all, man. Uh, you know, this has been a very trying time for everyone all across the world, and uh, we got to stick together through this, man. So I just want to give back to you guys. You guys have been there with me through the ups, the downs. You guys never turn your back on me no matter what, and I'm not going to turn my back on y'all, and let's get right down to business. So we're, we're going to talk about a lot of things today. We're going to talk about how we've been dealing with this shit. Also, we're going to be joined by UFC middleweight Eric, your boy Anders, here in a little bit. Not to mention, one of the media members I respect the most. Now, you guys know I'm quick to call guys out on their bullshit, but on the flip side, I'm also quick to praise people that deserve the praise. And my boy, Nolan King, at MMA underscore Kings on Twitter. This guy's the real deal. I've been friends with him for a long time. And uh, this is a guy where he's known for breaking all the upcoming fights that no one knows about. This guy is an insider if I've ever seen one, and it's going to be good to welcome him to half the battle for the very first time. So we're going to we're gonna talk here for a little bit, then I'm going to hit up uh, Eric Anders, then Nolan King. Uh, we're going to get to your fan questions. We're going to do the whole bit. So let's get right down to business. So first thing, man, how are you guys holding up? I mean, this is a really important question. I mean, everyone's dealing with this differently, and I got to admit, the last week has been kind of tough for me, but I, I really feel like, Tons of people have it worse than I do, so I'm not in a position to complain. Look, I have a roof over my head. I got food stocked up. I'm good to go. I guess the things that kind of have been fucking with me a little bit is the fact that, you know, I can't go to jujitsu every day. And, you know, for me to, to say that to the world, you know, you guys might be like, well, I can't put food on my table. So, again, I'm not complaining. Uh, I'm not complaining. I'm just telling you guys what part has sucked for me. I know other people have had it a lot worse and... You know, we're rooting for you to to get past this. You know what I mean? We, we all got to do this together. So for me, the thing that sucked most is getting out of my normal routine of working out every single day. I kind of feel like, you know, I'm not a guy that, you know, does a lot of drugs or, you know, does all these things. Like, I, I don't have like, like, I, I don't have too many outlets besides jujitsu and, you know, music and stuff like that. But for other people, man, I, I just really feel for you guys. So I hope that, you're doing your best to stay positive during this time. And for me, now I got to get into a routine, man, because normally it was every single day at 12. I go to jujitsu. That's my routine. You feel great afterwards. You're good to go. But now it's like, man, I got to do these at home workouts and I've been feeling kind of lazy. But today I was able to go out for a run, which is a, a step in the right direction. But now we got to get into that consistency of doing it every single day. Now, the eating part hasn't really been an issue for me because I do like to cook all my meals, and uh, I've been passing this time by cooking a lot. Look, if you check my Instagram, it's at DFL on drums. Cooking has become a serious passion of mine over the last year, man, so definitely find ways to distract yourself, whether it's cooking, whether it's reading, exercising, whatever the case may be, playing music, playing video games. Now, so I got on this run today, and I'm happy about that. So now what I want to start doing, I want to start doing push-ups. I want to start doing squats, sit-ups, do everything. Also, another way I've enjoyed uh, passing the time is I've been playing a lot of Call of Duty Warzone with uh, with my sponsored athletes and just some uh, guys in the UFC, too. You know, my boy Chas Kelly, my boy Jared Nitrain Gooden, 16-4. and four. Uh, Hopefully the UFC signs him, uh, signs him soon. So if y'all want to play uh, some Warzone with me and the boys, just hit me up, DFL on drums on PS4. But you guys know it's a cross-platform game, so we can get in with you Xbox players, too. Don't worry about that. But, uh, man, it's just a lot of fun and a great way to really distract your mind and maybe blow off a little steam if you're into shooting things in video games. Uh, and if you're into shooting guns, too, in real life, sucks you can't go to the to the, to the the gun range. But maybe, uh, you know, if you're not surrounded by too many people, you're up in the mountains, maybe you can have some fun there. So just do what you got to do to stay busy during this time because it's so easy to be discouraged. It's so easy to fall into a depression. It's so easy to, you know, wonder when's this shit going to end? When's my life going to continue? And, you know, back to normal. And it's one of those things where it kind of makes you appreciate what we had before because there was never a situation like this, at least in my lifetime. You know, we've had dramatic events and not to downplay any of those, but never to this level where, you know, you got to stay locked in your house for 14 plus days. And I say 14 days, that's just, you know, the normal quarantine time for you know because 
there's like a, I forgot the exact uh, number. Someone let me know, but isn't there like a 10 to 14 day incubation period for this, for this virus? So what I mean by that is you might not even have any fucking symptoms and you're going around, uh, you know, talking to people, getting them sick while you don't even know that you're sick. So that's why I've been in the house for almost 14 days straight, but now it's looking like we're gonna have to be in the house a little longer. So this is this is uh this is survival at its finest, you know. This is an interesting case, and you gotta make sure you're staying positive, you're consuming the right materials, you're eating good foods, you're moving. Look, if you're not into working out as crazily as I am, that's fine. You can go for a walk, you know. Take your dogs on extra long walks, go hiking, just stay away from people for the time being. And hopefully this shit's gonna pass soon, man, because uh you know, it'd be nice to get back to the fights, but again, you got to keep everyone safe in this situation. So we understand what's happening. But again, you guys can feel free to reach out to me. I'm down to talk to any of y'all that are going through a hard time or just people that have been supporting me. Even even the haters, man. If y'all going through a hard time, hit me up too, man. We're all humans here and uh, we, we all deserve uh, to be heard. So definitely hit me up if y'all are struggling. Now, uh, one thing I want to address, right, because... John Jones. Now, you guys know I'm a big fan of John Jones. Now, real quick, before I talk about his personal shit, let's talk about John Jones the fighter. This is a man that you know, it officially says what 26 1 and 1, but between you and me, he's 28 and 0 as a professional. He's 22 and 0 in the UFC. Guys, we all know he destroyed Matt Hamill. So, that loss is man, it's such a fucking stain on his record cuz he should have the most wins in UFC history. He should have the longest win streak in UFC history. The guy went 22-0 and 0 in the UFC. You've never heard of that ever. Ever. So, th- this whole thing that went on with him, look, and, and I agree, John Jones, he ain't the brightest outside the cage, that's for sure. But people are out here acting like the guy murdered someone, like he should be locked behind bars for many years, like he should be fired from the UFC. Like, guys... Do you understand what you're saying right now? Like, I understand the guy ain't the brightest. I understand he had a couple drinks and went for a little ride. And, man, that's that's a no-no. I don't condone drinking and driving at all. However, thank God no one was hurt. And that's not an applause on him not hurting anyone. That's just a, a fact because no one was hurt. So you can't justify stripping the guy, fine him, and, and make him do community service. That's what his crime calls for. And all these people parading like it's the end of John Jones Guys, stop. Like, don't you want to see him actually lose inside the cage than have the belt taken away from him? Like, I want to see who's the guy that's actually going to go out there and beat him in a fight. Dominic Reyes got pretty close, but you know what they say, close but no cigar. So I want to see what happens if they eventually have a rematch. And then you see guys like Tiago Santos saying, uh, it should be me versus Dominic Reyes for the title. Like, Tiago, stop. You couldn't beat John Jones when you got the chance. So now, you I, I get what you're saying, though. You feel like your only chance at gold is if you don't fight against John Jones. So I get that. But, guys, stop being, you know, don't be bitter. Be better. So this is a guy in John Jones that needs help, man. He doesn't need to be kicked while he's down. I mean, I feel like he's been embarrassed enough. The guy needs help. So you guys need to stop shitting on him while he's down. But as far as the talent we see inside the octagon, and this is the reason why, you know, you've heard me take a stand on John Jones. Dude, I've never seen a fighter that good ever in my life, and I have to keep seeing him inside the octagon until he finally loses. So don't don't fuck that up. You know what I'm saying, John Jones and all the fans at home? Stop shitting on the guy. Look, I know, again, I know he's kind of an idiot. I know he makes poor choices, but let's hope that he gets the help that he deserves so he can get back in the octagon. Because I'll tell you this right now. If you keep that guy outside the cage, shit's going to get worse, and he's going to start doing some real stupid shit because you put a guy like that cooped up, and, uh, man, he was built to be inside the UFC's octagon. So let, let, let's just keep things how it is until he loses, you know? Now, UFC 249. So there's a lot of questions. Is this event going to happen? Is this event not going to happen? I don't know. It's 50-50. But I'll tell you this. It was a big blow to my confidence when I heard that Habib wasn't going to be partaking in the event. Because, look. Habib's got a very valid point. I mean, look, we're under quarantine. If you want to stay home under quarantine, you don't want to travel, you cannot blame the guy. Like, dude, you don't want to put yourself at risk? I don't blame you. That being said, for a guy as powerful as Habib Nurmagomedov to not come through, because you guys remember, they said something about, you know, flights from Russia being canceled, the whole bit, right? So Habib Nurmagomedov, let me remind you guys, this is a guy that's friends with Vladimir Putin. This is a guy that is well-respected by Ramazan Kadyrov, and he still 
isn't leaving the country. So that should tell you everything you need to know because this is as powerful and as connected as a UFC fighter can get. And if he's staying, that lets me know everything I need to know. So I do not hold any blame to uh, Habib Nurmagomedov. No bitterness, no resentment at all because, look, I really don't blame the guy. And that has nothing to do with the matchup with Tony. That fight would be unbelievable. I hope it one day happens. It's going to be a great fight. But... For people to sit here and act like Habib is scared of of Tony Ferguson, guys, I know Tony Ferguson's a very scary guy. I know he presents some unique challenges. I know it's going to be an epic fight. But Habib Nurmagomedov is not scared of no man. We're in the middle of a global pandemic right now. You have to understand and empathize why he's not going to take this fight at the moment. So that's all I got to say about that. Uh, and I hope eventually they can run it. They can run it back. But guys, saying a guy that's twenty eight and zero as a pro, a guy that finished McGregor, a guy that finished Dustin Poirier, a guy that has all the wins that Habib has, he's not scared of Tony Ferguson, and Tony Ferguson is not scared of him either. This fight needs to happen ASAP, and hopefully it will. Hopefully Dana doesn't say I'm never going to make this fight again. Hopefully he can, uh, you know. Ho- hopefully uh, after this shit passes, which we don't know when that will be, but hopefully when that time comes. Get back to, you know, that matchmaker meeting and make that fight happen. We got to see it. Now, as far as the other canceled events, because, look, I know y'all like hearing uh, me and Shaq break down the fights and give our picks and all that stuff. Listen, since we can't do it this time, what I will do, I'm not going to break down all the fights that we missed, you know, start to finish, but I'm going to tell you who I would have picked in those fights. Just just for fun, you know, we'll, we'll see if these fights happen down the line. But look, Francis Ngannou and Jerzyn Rosenstrike, interesting fight. So Francis, obviously, he can knock out anybody in the world. But Jerzyn Rosenstrike brings some interesting things to the table, man. Uh, the guy's a very, very solid counter-striker. And you remember the last time Francis was in there with somewhat of a counter-striker in Derek Lewis. Now, Jerzino is a much better counter-striker than Derek Lewis, but Derek brings such power that it kind of had Francis a little worried well, Jerzino, not only does he have that power, but he also has the technical prowess, which kind of made me think that if he didn't catch Jarzino, it would have been a really interesting fight. So I actually think that that would have been a dog or pass situation. While I would have leaned in Gano, the UFC experience, I think the guy's a future world champion. Jerzino's no strike. Excuse me. <laughs> you guys like that? Jerzino's no slouch, and he should not be counted out at all. Now, Rafael Asuncao and Cody Garbranch. I was going to take uh, Rafael Asuncao for uh, the upset. I think Cody Garbranch is completely washed up. That's no disrespect to him. His best performance was almost half a decade ago against Dominic Cruz, who, by the way, Dominic Cruz never fought again. So that lets you know everything you need to know, that Dominic Cruz was on his retirement fight, and Cody Garbrandt went out there and styled on him, and you never saw a performance like that ever again from Cody Garbrandt. He got knocked out in three consecutive fights, and now uh, I think Rafael was going to knock him out too. I think people forget about Rafael Asuncao's resume. Just, just to let you guys know who he's beaten, and we'll get to the top 15 bantamweights in a second, but this is a guy in Rafael Asuncao who has wins over Jorge Masvidal, Joe Lozon, Johnny Eduardo, TJ Dillashaw, Pedro Munoz, Brian Caraway, Aljamain Sterling, Marlon Moraes, Rob Font, and to me, I mean, I, I don't think that Cody Garbrandt uh, was going to present something that he's never seen before, especially this version, this form of Cody Garbrandt. So I would have actually taken Rafael for the upset there. Matt Brown versus Miguel Baeza. Interesting fight. Uh, interesting, interesting fight. If it was a pick I'd actually lean towards Baeza. He's the younger, fresher guy. But when you see a minus two next to Baeza and he he's coming off a win over Hector Aldana, hasn't faced anyone on this level. I know Matt's on his way out. It was a dogger pass situation. Greg Hardy and DeCastro, I'm going to save that one because I know they're going to rebook that fight, and uh, I got some choice words on that matchup. Sam Alvey versus Khalil Roundtree. I was going to go with Roundtree Jr. Uh, you know leg kicks have always been a an issue for Sam Alvey, and I just think that speed of Khalil Roundtree was going to be huge, and not not to mention Sam Alvey ain't a takedown threat, so I think Khalil would have had, had his way with Sam Alvey despite the fact that he's coming off the Iwan Kutalaba loss, but so what? Sam Alvey's coming off a couple knockout losses himself, so... Yeah, I would have definitely uh, gone with Khalil there. Cody Stamen versus Hione Barcelos. I'm going to save that one for you because, you know, I mean, guys, that's two of my top Bantamweight prospects. I got a serious breakdown for that. Just know that Hione Barcelos earned that opportunity to step in there with a guy as underrated and a guy that I respect, a guy that Shaq respects, like Cody Stamen. Louis Smolka and Davey Grant. I think I would have leaned towards Smolka there. Marlon Vera, Eddie Wineland. I got Marlon Vera there. And it's funny because people were picking... Uh, Vera via comeback knockout or a comeback finish. 
I would have actually picked him to be a first round finish. Uh, I think I think Vera's looking the best he's ever looked. And the thing about this guy Vera, a lot of people like to shit on him because they don't really know the backstory. And let me tell you guys the backstory. This is a guy who was training in Ecuador at a gym called Fifty Fifty. Okay, he was in there with cab drivers with with the whole bit, right? And he made it to the Ultimate Fighter Latino America season one. You know the one that Yair and Alejandro Perez won. And this guy's coming into the UFC. <laughs> Not training with real fighters, uh, not training in a place where the sport has evolved whatsoever. And he was still going out there and winning fights, but man, he looked so green and he was losing the guys that he would definitely beat now, like Marco Psycho Beltran and Davey Grant. But since he moved to California and he's been training under Team Oyama, you see the run uh, Marlon Chito Vera's on. This is the best he's ever looked. And this is a guy in Marlon Vera. Let me tell you guys something about him. You know how many finishes uh, Marlon Chito Vera has inside the UFC's octagon? Eight. Okay? He's going to go on to break the record for most finishes in bantamweight history before it's all said and done. And since the time when he went out there and moved to Team Oyama, he's eight and two. Okay? So this is a guy that started off his UFC career at one and two. Now, since he's been at Team Oyama, he's eight and two. So you guys got to respect the kind of improvements that Marlon Chito Vera has been making fight by fight. And Eddie Wineland... Former WEC champion, love the guy, respect him. Just think it's Marlon Vera's time. Loriano Staropoli and Chaos Williams. I know a lot of people aren't impressed with Chaos Williams because it was a quick 30-second knockout. People like to discredit finishes. Guys, finishes are a perfectly uh, acceptable way of winning a fight, just like decisions are too. People shit on fighters that go to decision, and people shit on fighters that only finish fights. But you got to find... Uh, you just got to see how these guys match up. And I think Loriano Staropoli might have been in big trouble when he felt the power of Chaos Williams. Tisha Torres and Mizuki Inouye. I was kind of leaning towards the upset there. Mizuki's kind of tough, kind of underrated. I kind of like the dog money there. Eric Spicely and Roman Kopilov. I feel like Kopilov was going to show a better version of himself this time. Look, he had a, he ran into Carl Roberson in his debut. I think Spicely is, is a much more winnable matchup for Kopilov. Jeff Hughes and Tanner Bozer. I like Tanner Bozer there. Martin Day and Randy Costa. I would have gone with Martin Day at Dog Money there. Now, the next event that we missed, Overeem versus Harris. I would have taken Harris, Walt Harris, via vicious first-round knockout. I mean, this is a guy that is coming into his own. He's the best version of himself that we've ever seen. He's finally got past the ups and the downs. And the shit that's been going on in his personal life, it's one of those things where the universe would align to make uh, to make Walt Harris win that fight. And he'd have an epic moment. The post-fight speech would be emotional. It would just be a sensational moment. Walt Harris would destroy over him. Edmund Shabazian and Derek Brunson. You, you know I like my boy Edmund there. Uh, listen, Derek Brunson is the prospect tester. Back when Robert Whitaker was the prospect, they put him in there with him. Uh, Robert knocked him out in the first round. You know, you had to test out Izzy Adesanya. Izzy knocked him out in the first round. Well, now it's uh, time to test out Edmund Shabazian, Edmund Shabazian, and I think he also knocks out Derek Brunson. Carlos Esparza, Michelle Watterson, not quite sure yet. Leaning Esparza, but not quite sure. Vicente Luque and Randy Brown. That's that's a hell of a fucking fight right there, man. Holy shit. I think it's a dog or pass situation, so I'd lean Brown. I think he's finally gotten over the hump. I feel like his last two fights... You know, the finishes of Brian Barberin and Worley Alves were indication or indicators rather that he's gotten over that hump and he's finally coming into his own. Cause we always said, once the mental meets the physical with a guy like Randy Brown, look out. And uh, we are looking out his last two fights. And I'd look out here if I was Vicente Luque, who is a very serious talent. Luque is a black belt in jujitsu, nasty left hook. I love this kid, Luque, and that's an amazing fight. Eric, your boy Anders versus Jocko. Listen, that, that would have been a close fight. You know Eric's actually struggled. And we're going to talk to him about this here uh, when uh, when I call him in a second. He's actually struggled with these elusive strikers. You know, Machida, Elias, they gave him trouble. But, granted, those fights were in uh, Brazil and Canada, respectively. Now he gets to fight on home soil. And I feel like third time might be the charm for Eric Anders here against these point strikers. I think, he, I think he'd get to Kristoff late. Marcos Maluco Perez versus Alessio Di Quirico. Shit, that's a 50-50 fight if I've ever seen one. Nico Price versus Muslim Salikov. Oh, man, I love Price. Uh, he follows me. Uh, very cool guy. kind of think it's a tough matchup for him, but you can't count out Nico Price. He's a guy that can finish a fight out of nowhere. But uh, this guy, Muslim Salikov, his striking level is, is something else. And unless he gets caught, I think, I think he's winning that fight. At least Salikov should be the favorite there. Tristan Conley versus Alex... Uh, Leco da Silva. Oh, that's easy work for Alex da Silva. 
Don't don't let that uh, Pereira fight confuse y'all. Alex De Silva would mop the floor with Connolly, and another fight where someone would mop the floor. Cole Williams versus Philip Rowe. Look out for my boy Philip Rowe. He's the real deal. I actually sparred with him in Atlanta a couple years back. Thank God he took it easy on me. But it was that moment when I knew this kid will be in the UFC one day, and now they're giving him a favorable matchup in his debut. Julia Avila versus Carol Hosa. Malin towards Avila there. Dante Mays versus. Rodrigo Nascimento. I don't remember Nascimento, but I haven't been that impressed with Mays. So I'm going to go with Nascimento there. And then last but not least, Davi Hamosh versus Armand Sarukian. Man, that's a tough fight to call because you got the high-level jiu-jitsu of Davi Hamosh versus the high-level wrestling of Armand Sarukian. So who would cancel out who both guys coming off close losses? Well, the Armand fight was a little closer to, to Islam Mahashev, so... I'd have to see a line on that before I get before I give a confident pick. You know what I mean? But uh, yeah, those would be my picks on those. You know, uh, let me know what y'all think uh, in the comments. Uh, hey, I know y'all appreciate the fact that we went out or that I went out there and let you know uh, my picks for those. Because man, this uh, this this is some uh, some crazy times, my guys. So uh, I appreciate y'all. I appreciate y'all listening to what I have to say. Now we got to hit up my boy Eric Anders. And joining us now on Half the Battle is Eric, your boy, Anders. Eric, how's it going, man? Welcome back to Half the Battle. Man, everything's going good, man. How about yourself? Been great. Like I told you off air, everything is good, minus the no jujitsu uh, every day thing. But, I mean, a lot of people have it worse than me, so you're not going to hear me complain. But I got to know, how's this uh, quarantine life been treating you and the fam? Uh, man, actually, you know, it's not really been as hectic uh, as I thought it would be being in the house with the with the two boys, me and my wife have a 10-year-old and an 8-year-old who are just full of energy and whatnot. So, um, but, you know, everything's been cool at the house, you know. Uh, we get out, we go for a walk, we go for a run, we go to the park, play soccer. So, you know, I think the main thing is, is to get out of the house and, and get those kids burning some, uh, burning some calories, wasting some energy. Yeah, no, that's what I was going to ask you first about. I mean, look, you've always been a laid-back individual, but this ain't just about you, man. You have a wife, the two boys. Has it been challenging at all keeping everyone in the household positive and active? Man, not really. You know, we got an active household anyways. You know, the boys, you know, play you know, a different sport every season. So it doesn't take much to get them up uh, away from the computer. Now they have schoolwork they have to do in the morning. So, you know, um, you know, it's, it's pretty much something that's just better than being at school, man. You get a much longer recess. You can eat whenever you want. You can take a break, you know. There's not so much schoolwork that they don't have nothing else. They don't have time to do anything else for the rest of the day. So the kids are playing sports now. How how awesome is that for you as a dad, man? I bet you get a lot of pride and enjoyment out of that. Yeah, it's, it's fun to watch them go out there and compete, you know. They do team sports and, like, individual sports like jiu-jitsu and wrestling and soccer and football and whatnot so it's, man, it's, it's cool to you know just watch them go out there compete and have fun most of all you think we could be looking at some uh, future ufc fighter because i mean if they're starting jujitsu and wrestling this early uh, sky's the limit they you know they say they want to do it but you know at the same time they've never really been punched in the face so you know there's <laughs> a lot of people who say they want to do this thing and you know once they get that first you know bloody nose it kind of changes things so i think my kids are pretty tough but man we'll see if that's what they want to make their life but regardless, they're ready to go on the playground if someone challenges them, right? Oh, yeah, no doubt, no doubt. There's no doubt in my mind that, uh, you know, a situation like that, they'll be able to defend themselves and other people if necessary. So, I mean, besides, you know, going out, being active, what kinds of things have you been doing at home? You've been watching shows, you've been playing video games. What's the deal, man? Yeah, my kids are really into Fortnite, so we've been really we've been playing a lot of Fortnite here lately. And uh, me and my wife started the third season of uh, the Ozark, and – uh we just finished something else. Oh, yeah, yeah, we've been on that Tiger team. We've done that early. <laughs> Dude, okay, I got to know about both these. My brother recommended both. I, I don't really know what to think, but I don't feel like I should have an opinion yet because I haven't watched either. So, I mean, which one do you think I should check out first? Well, I think the Tiger King goes a little faster just because it's only like seven episodes and it's the whole thing. Ozark, it's the third season. So, And, you know, I, I just found the – I thought Tiger King was – it was hilarious, man. Just the uh, the extremes that everybody that everybody in the show goes to. Uh, so, man, you just got to check it out, man. If you like wild, redneck, you know, batshit crazy kind of stuff, then it's, it's for you. 
I mean, it definitely sounds entertaining. I'll give you that for sure. Uh, but let me ask you this on a separate note, and no one knows the true answer to this, but it's just something that people want to talk about, hopefully, you know, give a little positive energy. But if you had to take a guess, when do you think life goes back to normal? Well, I don't think anybody really knows. You know, they said, you know, everything was going back to normal at Easter, then they extended it a little bit longer. So I think they'll continue to evaluate the numbers and see, you know, when there's a decline and whenever it's safe for everybody to go on about their normal life. So, you know, I don't have a clue. First they said two weeks and they said a month and now blah, blah, blah. So, you know, they canceled the Olympics, you know, so obviously, you know, there's issue um, that somebody knows about that we don't know about. So, and we'll see what happens, man. You know, I'm just going to continue to do what I do and, you know, hang out and use this time to rest, recover, you know, recuperate a little bit. Yeah, no, I mean, I said this earlier. If uh, a guy like Habib, who is as powerful and connected as he is, can't uh, leave Russia, I mean, that tells me everything I need to know right there, uh, Eric. Well, my, my thing is, why did he go back to Russia? Of course they're having travel bans. Nobody's coming to America right now. Everybody know that. Well, Why did he leave in the first place is my question. Well, I mean, I would assume probably because AKA was closed, right? Wouldn't that probably be the reason? But I heard that. Excuse me. I heard Daniel Cormier said that they're keeping the gym closed and only him and the coaches are in there working. So, mm, That's interesting. You know? That throws a little uh, throws a little wrench in uh, the plans. Interesting. I, I have no yeah. idea. I really don't know. i just not under the inkling that a guy like Habib, 28-0, the kind of fighters he's beat, that he'd be scared of anyone or any fight. No, I'm not, I'm, man, I'm not saying he's scared. And maybe he didn't think that this thing would be what it is, you know. Um, but, you know, there's plenty of fighters here in America, and, you know, people in Florida are still going to the beach and whatnot, so they're not even concerned about what they got going on in Florida. So, you know, maybe they have it in Florida. You know, I just would like to see any kind of sport, you know, other than bass fishing and pro bull riding and throwing darts, you know. I feel you on that, man. It'd be great to have the fights back. So you were supposed to be matched up with Christoph Jocko, and I'm guessing that's going to go down at a later date. But look, man, it's an interesting fight for sure. We know what Jocko wants to do. He's a very elusive point fighter. And you have experience against similar opponents, Machida, Elias, both very close fights, according to the judges. Now, granted, those fights took place in Brazil and Canada, respectively. This one's supposed to be in the U.S. Do you at all view this like third time is the charm versus these point fighters, or is Kristoff a completely new and different puzzle for you to solve? Man, I think he's a little more aggressive than the other guys. Um, he engages a whole lot more. He'll engage in the wrestling and stuff. So, yeah, he does have that element to his game, but uh, he's a little bit different, and you know, he's a little bit more aggressive and more willing to wrestle and exchange a little bit. Currently, you're on this two-fight win streak, the performance of the night, as well as the win over 45 vet Gerald Mershart. How much confidence did that give you to know that you can still go out there, do damage, and rack up big wins under the UFC banner? Oh, uh, yeah, dude. My confidence, even when I had lost those three fights in a row, you know, my, my confidence never wavered, you know. Um, this is part of the game. It's got to be a winner, got to be a loser. So, you know, I'm not, you know, taking a losing lightly or anything, but you know, it is what it is. You know, each competition, each each contest has a, you know, it has a history and a life of its own. So just because you did good or bad in the last fight, you know, I don't think has any, should have any, uh, you know, should matter in the next fight. That's a that's an elite mindset because, look, prior to this two-fight win streak was the infamous Khalil Roundtree fight. Now, after that fight, a lot of people counted you out completely. Now, you've never struck me as the kind of guy that needed to prove anything to anyone but yourself, but does it at all feel good to show that you have been progressing and evolving as a fighter? Yeah, absolutely. You know, I think each fight, you know, I think that was just an off night for me. Not to take anything from away from Khalil because, you know, that's probably the best fight that we've seen a fight in the UFC. So, you know, but, you know, I, I think that I had a lot to do uh, with that, with the outcome of that fight and how that fight went as well, so. You know, I think uh, if, if you take that fight out and watch all the other fights, uh, you can see, like, the consistent evolution in my game from fight to fight. So, it's just continue to do that, you know, as I get older, get more seasoned, you know. Um, I think I'll still continue to evolve and probably more rapidly at this point. Well, I mean, you're approaching your 10th UFC fight. I remember talking to you back when you were in LFA beating really tough guys like Brendan Allen. Now you're about to have your 10th UFC fight. Do you feel like you're really starting to come into your own now, more comfortable inside the octagon? 
Yeah, absolutely. It, you know, it's never been a, a thing about, you know, comfort for me. It's, you know, a skill set thing. You know, a lot of these dudes, they've been doing this since they were knee-high to a grasshopper. And now, you know, I've been training for about 10 years now. So, you know, I've tried to close that gap and, like, can be consistent in evolving and, and, you know, adding new tools and new elements to my game to, you know, make it hard for people to watch film on me. You know, they see one thing in one fight and then the next fight, you know, it looks totally different. So, you know, I, I think, you know, just keeping them playing the guessing game a little bit. Now, there's something I got to know, Eric, and I'm surprised I've never asked you this in all my years of speaking with you, but what was it like being coached by the great Nick Saban? Man, <clears throat> I think the thing that uh, Coach Saban does better than anybody is creates an, uh, an environment of competition. And so, man, just because you're a fifth-year senior, just because you're a true freshman, everybody's got an equal and opportunity chance to play, you know. So every – every play at practice you're competing not only against uh you know the offensive guys but against the person behind you so it makes everybody level up and he also gave everybody fight IQ, or excuse me uh football iq made everybody watch film study film become a student of the game so not only do you have the best athletes but you have the best athletes the best and biggest athletes and then you give them the mental capacity of football behind it just Man, you know, you look at his 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 uh his history, and you know, his record speaks for itself. Now, I got a question on the watching film part because uh, I kind of heard Dominic Reyes mention something about that before the Jones fight. He was talking about his football background, how they watch film differently, and he, he even said MMA fighters don't really know how to watch film. But man, you come from that background too, so I'm kind of curious about what your film watching process is like. I'm sure it's not as simple as just putting on their fights. I'm sure you take notes, do the whole bit. Tell us a bit about that. Uh, man, you know I really don't sit down with a pen and paper, but you know uh, I definitely do be taking mental notes. And you know I think the difference when you have, when you play football, it's like you watch each play like a hundred times. Like you may watch like the first two or three seconds of a play rewind it and then watch like the next four or five seconds and rewind it. And, you know, you just watch the same play uh, at different parts of the same play, you know, so many times. And I think that's the difference between everybody else and football players is like when I watch a fight, my, my kid, they hate watching the fight with me because I keep rewinding the fight. Maybe after every exchange, after every, you know, so often, um, and they, they just want to watch the fight and break it down as it goes on. But I think it's a little bit different than that. Um, I think you need to rewind it, like, so you can, like, look and see different parts of the fight. Because it's hard to, like, see the feet and see the hands and, okay, what did I see there? What did he see there kind of thing. So instead of just watching the fight all the way through five times, you know, I end up watching the whole fight in, like, three, four-second intervals, like, a hundred times. That's uh, that's badass. I hope all the fans uh, listening at home took note of that. And Erica, we got a couple fan questions for you, man. So the Let's first one, the first one was, what are your thoughts on the NCAA uh, refusing to grant seniors in winter sports an extra year of eligibility? Man, when did uh, well, they um, I don't know about winter sports. Did any winter sports get canceled? No, right? Just spring sports. Yeah, I don't. I don't know the the facts here. Yeah, I, I think only the spring season, uh, spring sports got canceled. So, what eligibility? You know, I guess the only thing that they're not doing is practicing right now. But you know, um, I'm sure that they can find ways to train. And if I know Nick Saban, I know that he's found a way to to get those guys in there training and working out and, and staying in shape. And uh, Nick wants to know, besides yourself, who someone from your Alabama team back when you played who would have been a good fighter? Uh, man, I truly believe that Mark Barron uh, could be a world champion. I've just never seen – the guy didn't even play one down of safety. He was a high school running back and a linebacker in high school. Got to Bama, never played a down of safety. Was an, turned into an All-American and uh you know first round draft choice and uh man usually guys they they, they move up in defense so like the, a safety will go to a linebacker or a linebacker will go to a defensive end a defensive end will go to a defensive tackle very seldom do you see a guy so athletic because there's so many more there's so much the skill of safety is so much more athletic and requires so much athleticism and you know uh cerebral thought than a linebacker does you know, so he's smart, he's athletic, he's powerful, 
you know. Um, it could probably do – it has long limbs. You know, it could probably do anything you ask him to do athletically. So, a uh, hard worker as well. So, I, I think that, you know, if, if he – like, if he wouldn't have made it in the NFL or, you know, kind of did the same thing that I did in college, you know, come out of college and go into MMA, um, I think that guy would have been a world champion. And last but not least, and ladies and gentlemen, this is Eric Anders right here right now on Half the Battle. So, for everyone listening at home, man, because, look, not everyone has the most positive mindset like yourself, but, you know, we're, we're, trying, to, we're trying to get this message across, trying to help these people out. What would you tell the people at home just to, about how to handle these times and go about their day? You know, only worry about the things that you can control. The government says stay at home. You know, you can't go to work or whatever, so use this time to, you know, pick up a trade, you know, learn how to play music sing, dance, or do something, you know, you can learn anything off YouTube, I feel like, so, you know, find other ways to invest money or make money or, you know, the time off and you have a cell phone that's basically a computer, you know, you can look up and figure out anything in this time where you have nothing else to do, so, you know, figure it out, use it to your advantage. Some great advice from Eric, your boy, Anders. Eric, really appreciate the time as always. All the fans listening at home, make sure you follow Eric on Twitter, at Eric Anders. Uh, Eric, anything else you want to tell him before we go? Man, you know, everybody stay safe out there, and, uh, you know, we'll get through this thing, and everything will go back to normal here shortly. Yes, sir. Eric, thanks again for the time, man. Always a pleasure, and I wish you nothing but the best. Hey, pleasure, brother. You have a good one. You too, man. See ya. Now we got to hit up one of my favorite reporters in the game. I'm talking about MMA Junkie's own, Nolan King. And joining us now on Half the Battle is MMA Junkie's own, Nolan King, uh, Mr. MMA Kings. Nolan, how's it going? Going great, man. It's um, I'm happy to be on with you. First time talking to you. I've listened. I've had your voice come through uh, my, my headphones quite a bit, but it's nice to be able to uh, to talk to you on the phone here. Man, it's great to be able to talk to you, man. Uh Listen, we've been friends for a long time, and now, uh, man, it's really good to see the kind of things you've been doing with your career, really big things. And I remember before you were with MMA Junkie, and, you know, we'd talk about these fights coming up, and you were the guy that was known for breaking all these matchups before anyone else knew about them. You're still doing the same thing, but now, you know, someone's actually picked you up. You're working for a big brand, but prior to that, man, you were already doing the same things you're doing now. So let me know uh, how you got connected in this industry, my man. Yeah, it's, it's, it was kind of a strange ride. You know, it started out as a Twitter account that I just kind of did for fun. One day I was bored, made a MMA Kings under an alias, didn't have my name attached to it at all. And uh, it was just something I rolled with. I'd post, you know, random little announcements here and there, things that I saw online that that uh, wouldn't be elsewhere. You know, just kind of like, hey, the UFC website says that, you know, so-and-so has a fight and nobody else has reported it. Like, here it is. And uh, that slowly but surely turned into me starting to get information, kind of people sliding in my DMs, telling me stuff and things like that. So uh, it's been a weird journey to kind of look back on it and see that this just started as just kind of something that I that I started when I was or that I did when I was bored. And here I am. And now now I have a career, like you said, at MMA Junkie, uh, just pretty much doing the same thing. They've been great with just letting me adapt, uh, or having them adapt to me versus me adapt to them. They've allowed me to, to pretty much do anything that I want. No complaints on their end. So it's a good partnership, and I'm, I'm really lucky to, to be able to, to do what I love and, and continue to break news. Well, you're killing it, man. One of the things I love about what you do, obviously the fight announcements before everyone else knows, that's great too, but the positivity you bring to the table. I've never, ever heard you be negative about this sport or you know just – put a dark cloud over, you know, the sport that we all supposedly love. And that's not to shit on anybody at all. That's just the truth. You've always been positive. How have you kind of kept that mindset this whole time? Yeah, that's, that's interesting that you say that. It's definitely something that I've, I've tried to do. I think there's a lot of people out there. It's, it's easy to criticize everyone else. And, uh, especially when we, we come down to some of these fundamental issues in MMA, I, I kind of recognize that things aren't perfect and it's, it's hard to get them perfect. Uh, if somebody asked me my opinion, I'm there to tell it, but I'm not necessarily somebody that's going to go out and start screaming from the rooftops about every little issue or complain about everything. You know, sure, I'll, I'll call things out when I see them or if I think something's really wrong. But a lot of times I feel like when, when there's these debates, people get too caught up in the black and the white and they, they don't necessarily see it from the gray area. So especially with Twitter, I feel like it's unfair some of these issues for me to, to go out and and give you a, a really uh, black or white opinion on something when a lot of times 
with these issues, it's kind of a gray area for me where I'm in between the two sides. And honestly, man, I, I think that, again, this, there's certain stuff that has to be called out. But I think that, uh, you know, to promote the positivity in the sport and, and kind of uh, understand that this is something that we all love and there's reasons for it, I, I think is very important. I agree 100 percent. And I feel the same way. Look. Everyone knows that I'm outspoken. I'll be the first to call someone out. But on the flip side, Nolan, I'll also be the first to praise someone and give them their due. And I feel like you deserve it. But, man, the reason I have you on today, obviously, talking with you all the time is fun. But, look, we got the the fighter's perspective on what's going on in the world. We got my perspective, the gambler's perspective. Now I got to know the MMA media perspective, and I couldn't think of a better person to talk to than you. Dude, what's going on in the world right now is unprecedented. We've never had times like this ever how are you dealing, man? How are you coping? Yeah, it's it's not easy for sure. I, I think that, uh, you know, professionally, we've had to make some adjustments. Obviously, I think every side has. We don't cover live events anymore. We have to, to kind of get a little creative. And sure, there's been news. There's been, you know, John Jones getting, you know, getting arrested again. There's been uh, all this madness that's going on with 249. Will it happen? Will it not? But you know, generally speaking, we've, we've kind of had to adjust. And I think that that's really what you got to take away from this, no matter what you do is, uh, you know, you got to do your best to keep going. And, and regardless of this, the, the, uncon- the things that you can't control, you got to, you got to, you know, buckle down and, and control the things that you can. And that's really what it comes down to. You know, if the, the coronavirus starts to continue to, to make the economy plummet and, and jobs go away and, uh, there's no fights for us to cover, that's not something necessarily that I can control, but, for now, you know, I can bust my ass to make sure that that we're still putting out enough content or that we have good ideas that we're able to uh, new ideas that we're able to, to put out there that people are interested in a new way. So that's really what it comes down to, man. I know it's tough sometimes to take the emotion out, especially when you, you have, uh, you know, different whether it be financial ties or, or some people are obviously affected to this by this health wise. Like it's tough, but I think it's it's kind of not in our hands almost. And it's kind of a tough thing to accept. But we got to do the best job that we can to, to accept it. For everyone listening at home, I hope you paid attention to what he just said. Uh, it's not good to focus on things you can't control. But I got to ask you this. Look, I gave my prediction on this. Uh, I asked our guest earlier his prediction. I got to know yours, man. What do you think the chances are of having an event April 18th? You know, you're not the first person to ask me that this week. And it's it's so tough because... I think the chances are low, but I, I don't think that they're it's it's totally off the wall that it could happen. Um, you know, it, the determination of the UFC in this instance is is kind of crazy, uh, just both within the fact that I think part of it is that they don't want to be wrong. Part of it is they see an opportunity to, to be the only sport uh, they might be able to, um, you know, surpass or or. Uh, go in a direction than these other sports are with with their leagues because the fact that it only takes you know a few people to put on an MMA fight it's not you're not having a whole football team go against each other whole hockey team so I think that there's a small there's if, if anybody can do it it is the UFC especially where you got you know Indian reservation lands playing into it you have states that are that are a little more lenient with their laws I think there's a lot of of possibilities the UFC could look into but at the same time, I think that there's there's a ton of issues. The travel issues are, are huge. Uh, we see the 249 card had a ton of Russians on it. Those guys are essentially, uh, you know, all off the board. You have fighters, you know, training today outside in their driveway, not being able to have the proper uh, nutritions from the, 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 you know, a lot of them get sent meals. They're not having those. So there's a ton of problems, man. And, and you know, maybe they would be able to put on a couple of fights. Maybe they'll be you know, some guys that would be able to, to get to, from point A to point B. But I think there's a lot of odds against them. I'm not saying it's impossible, but I would say the odds are, are fairly low. And I, I agree with that. I mean, I hope we're wrong just out of selfish reasons. And Grant, I say selfish reasons. If they are to put on an event, like I already mentioned earlier, I hope they do it in a safe way, obviously, or in a safe and healthy way. But let's say it doesn't happen April 18th. You think the UFC can get back on track maybe in May and June, throw some events then? Yeah, I mean, I think it's not out of the question for sure. Uh, in terms of, uh, you know, the locations that they have booked for those months, they might have to adjust or maybe they have to cancel some events or what they're calling postpone, which essentially is canceling. Um, I, I think it's possible. I think that as as we start to inch back into society uh, as a whole, the UFC will likely be one of the first sports, in my opinion, that's able to put on shows, like I said earlier, 
it only takes two guys to be in a cage, a referee, three judges, and, and you know, uh, maybe a couple people to open the cage doors and whatnot. So, uh, and, you know, medical staff. So it's, it's far less than the other sports. And I think that, you know, like you said, when, when maybe May, maybe June, like I, I think we'll, we'll start to see some stuff behind closed doors uh, as soon as possible. We just see how aggressive the UFC is right now when they're when they're a, a lot of people are alleging they're not going to be able to do this. So once they start to, the, you know, once the government gives them an inch, I'm sure they're going to run with it. And yeah, another thing I mentioned earlier on the show was how it was a big blow to my confidence of this event happening when I heard that Habib wasn't going to be able to leave because as you know, Nolan, I don't got to tell you this, Khabib, a very powerful and connected man. I mean, friends with Putin, friends with Kadyrov. You'd think if anyone could leave the country, it'd be Habib. But the fact that he can't, I mean, that that should let you know everything you need to know right there. I mean, do you agree? Yeah, that, that, that should. And I think it, it goes to show you, too, uh, like you said, in a country like Russia, for Habib not to be able to, to, to cross the border, that's that's something that's that's big, man. And it, it goes beyond that, too. You've got so many fighters coming. You know, MMA is a global sport. You've got fighters coming from all over the world, all different countries, all different states that have uh, a ton of different, um, you know, whether they be legally binding restrictions, whether they be suggestions. Uh, it's, it's just it's just there's so many logistics that it's that, that's why when I look at a 13 fight card or what, however many fights Brooklyn's supposed to have, like. There's no way that's going to happen. Uh, if you told me, hey, they're going to try to put on, you know, four fights and they're going to be mostly guys that are, are that are in the United States, then maybe I would say, OK, like, you know, people can get from point A to point B in a car like it's it is possible. It's the, the least uh, ideal scenario ever. But if the UFC set on it, we could do it. But, yeah, I, I think the Habib example is great because it, it, it's a country like Russia and it's a, it's a superstar and, and he's not even able to get here. So that should be very telling for a lot of people. And last but not least, uh, Nolan, I got to know, man, how have you been passing this time? I mean, you've been taking on some uh, new uh, challenges. You've been exploring some new realms. Yeah, man, it's 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 kind of funny. Uh, I kind of I was joking with somebody earlier, one of my coworkers, uh, Kenny, who does a lot of the producing stuff. And I was saying uh, my, my social life Monday through Friday has actually kind of increased a little bit. I might be the only one in the quarantine, um, you know, with with working uh, remote from home uh, yeah. during those days. I'm, I'm usually the only one in the house, but now I've got people here with me. So. That's been good to a certain extent. Um, it's kind of, it's kind of uh, not the ideal scenario for sure. But just been, uh, you know, trying to trying to get my life back in order a little bit. You know, sometimes uh, I, I think now that that there's there's been a lot of stuff cut out of my life. Like you can't obviously uh, go out and, and do as much as you could before. I think it's it's kind of helped me maybe get on a little bit more of a regimen. So when this thing's all said and done, like. Uh, it might, might actually set me up for a good scenario. I'm trying to, you know, you talked about optimism and positivity before, maybe I'm, I'm going overboard with that, but I've just been, you know, doing the same thing pretty much every day, working out when I can doing my, my nine to five when I can. And, uh, you know, just trying to keep myself sane, watching some tiger King, like the rest of the world. And, uh, we'll see what Netflix follows after I, I finished the last couple episodes of that. How you been liking it though? Do you, uh, is it as highly regarded as everyone else says? No, man, I was skeptical when I came into it and I said, man, like TV shows are the ideas are getting so stupid. Now we're going to be talking, you know, watching a show about uh, a dude that talking about this. And within like the first 10 minutes, I kind of I, I hated how much I loved it. And it's it's it keeps you on the edge of your seat. There's just a lot of characters that are that are there's nothing fake necessarily about them. They're just some of the weirdest people you've ever seen. And I highly recommend it. It's a, it's a quick watch. It's only seven episodes. And, uh, especially where you don't have as much to do during, during these, uh, these times, I recommend it for anybody out there that's, that's, that's questioning it, especially those that think they might not like it. You, you probably will. Yeah, I know. That's kind of where I stand right now. Uh, it's kind of funny. So I'm not one to judge something I haven't seen, right? Like, and I haven't seen this show, so I can't really give my opinion on it. Just everything I've heard about it, I was like, man, that doesn't really seem like something I'd be into, you know, watching white trash with a tiger. But everyone I trust is like, dude, no, no, no. listen to me. You have to watch this show, Daniel. So, Nolan, I think uh, I think I might have to give it a spin uh, later this week, my man. Yeah, man, I, I recommend it. Like, I, I think that... Uh yeah, it's, it's it's very gripping, which is bizarre when you think about again the, how it's pitched. But definitely check that out, um, and and let me know what you think, Dan. Will do, Nolan. Thank you so much for taking the time to speak with me right here, right now on Half the Battle. I'm glad we finally got you on. Uh, we got to do it again soon, no doubt about it. Uh, and like you said earlier, 
in my opinion, there's no such thing as being overly positive, man. You're doing the right thing. We got to wipe this negativity away because the only way we're going to get past this thing is uh, to do the right things, have the right mindset, and be level-headed the way you're approaching this. So much respect to you, my man. All the fans can follow you at MMA underscore Kings on Twitter. And Nolan, anything you want to let the fans know before we go? Uh, not really. Just like, like like you just said, follow me uh, on Twitter at MMA underscore Kings. You can check out my work on MMA Junkie. And uh, Dan, I appreciate you letting me let me come on here, man. We'll have to do it again sometime because I, I definitely have had you uh, had you in my headphones during my workouts at the gym and going on runs and stuff over the years. So uh, let, let's definitely do it again, buddy. All right. I appreciate that, my man. And uh, we will speak very soon, Nolan. All right. You take care. Hey, you too, Dan. Take care. Let's get to this fan Q&A. So Ace wants to know, what's your quarantine snack meal of choice? What have you gotten done with all the spare time that you wouldn't have time for otherwise? And what do you miss the most about your normal routine? Great questions, man. So let's go in order. So my quarantine snack meal of choice. Dude, like I told you, I've been cooking a lot. So if anyone wants to see uh, what Chef DFL is all about, make sure you follow me on Instagram at DFL on drums, Daniel fucking Levy on drums. Used to be one of the top drummers in ATL, you know what I'm saying? Uh, I'm going to get back there one day now that I got time to do shit, you know what I'm saying? Uh, Okay, so what are my quarantine snack meals of choice? So I love making a good steak, medium rare, pasta. The breakfast is always on point with me. Uh, You know, know, I got some Latin roots, so we're out here. uh, Nice egg scrambles with tortillas and avocado, the whole bit. Cottage cheese, try that out. Let me know what you think. Some salsa on top. The chicken's been good too, man. We've been we've been taking care of those wings, man. Now my secret with the chicken, y'all gotta look up that harissa. That harissa seasoning. That's that's where it's at with my chicken. So yeah, I've been making a lot of food. Um, what have I gotten done with all the spare time that I normally wouldn't have time for otherwise? Video games. I never play video games and when shit's like normal. But man, right now I've been fucking. Playing uh, Warzone with all my fighter friends, but y'all are more than welcome to play me too. I got time to do that. And also, back on the drums, man. I, I uh, definitely, definitely, definitely want to use this time to get back into music a little bit. Uh, it's something that I've been missing since I left, but I left for a reason because it wasn't paying me shit. But now that passion I have for music, it'll always be there, man. I, I was born a musician, so yeah, I'm, I'm trying to get back into music as much as possible. Just trying to juggle uh you know just trying to juggle the thoughts in my head like being like well what are you gonna do you know what i'm saying uh so but at this point it's not about what i'm gonna do what i'm planning to do it's just you got to do it for yourself so yeah trying to get back in back on the drums and what do you miss most about your normal routine dude i fucking miss jujitsu like i told you man that was like my therapy that's what keeps me sane that's what keeps me level-headed and balanced kind of keeps me chilled out so i really 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 Miss jujitsu. That's the that's the thing about my normal routine. So Manny says, "How do you like Dominic Reyes at 185?" I don't, man. I think he's too big uh, for 185. You know, this is a guy who he's like six foot five. He's got the massive reach. Uh, there's no way in hell he can make 85. He struggles to make 205, and I think he's got the potential to be a champion at 205 pounds. So I don't want to see him at 185. I want him to stay at 205. Work his way back up, get that John Jones rematch, and who knows? Maybe in the rematch he can go out there, correct his mistakes, and actually get the win this time. So out of all these guys at 205, I really do feel like Dominic Reyes has the biggest potential to be a champion. He just has to stay at 205, has to stay the course. Orange Patriot says, what are your odds that UFC 249 still happens? If not, when do you predict the next event will be? I really do not know, brother. Um, 50-50 on it myself. Uh I just hope I just hope things get back to normal soon, you know, and in a healthy and safe way, of course. Kevin Goodson says, if you were making a super card out of all the fights that got canceled, which ones make the cut? Good question, my man. Overeem and Harris, Shabazian and Brunson, Luke and Brown, Anders and Jocko, Price and Salikov, Davi Hamosh and Sarukian, Rosen striking and Ganu, Rafael Asuncao and Cody Garbranch. Matt Brown and Miguel Baeza, Greg Hardy, Jorgon De Castro. And last but not least, Marlon Chito Vera versus Davey Grant. And you can add Loriano Staropoli versus Chaos Williams in there too. My boy Jack Scott says, if Tony fights at UFC 249, should it be for an interim belt? Yeah, sure, why not? I mean, the guy was already interim champion, never officially lost that belt in a fight. He was uh, stripped. Um, at the same time, Habib fought 
Dustin not too long ago, so it's not like he's been inactive to where you should go around making interim titles, but if there's any guy you can make a case for making an interim for, it's Tony Ferguson. So, yeah, I wouldn't mind that. Jimmy C says, could you do a breakdown of Habib versus Tony so I can pretend for 10 minutes that it's actually going to happen? So it's funny, man. I actually did a breakdown of this the first time it was supposed to happen. I think it was back in New York. I had Sean Carey and James Vick on the show. Uh, they both picked Habib, and I picked Tony that time. And I think it was like plus 265, plus 280 odds on Tony. But now I was actually leaning more towards Habib this time. Um, I think that Tony's gotten a little bit older. And since that first time I picked him, which was like four years ago, he's been getting dropped in a lot of fights. And not only that, he's very easy to take down. But the thing is, his jujitsu is so damn good. He can attack you with triangles. He can elbows from bottom the whole bit. Not to mention his striking is really damn good too. Habib's gotten better as well. I mean, Habib, you saw him go out there, knock down Conor McGregor. If, if I would have told you before that fight that he was going to go out there and knock down Conor McGregor, you would have said I'm crazy. But not only did he knock down Conor McGregor, he choked him out too, choked out Dustin Poirier. I mean, Habib is the real deal. But so is Tony Ferguson. That's why that fight needs to happen. And I think Habib would dominate him. It's just a matter of would Tony find that finish along the way, right? That's the That's the big argument. The elbows from bottom, cut him up. Maybe catch him with a big shot in the later rounds, something along those lines. So Tony's a guy you can't count out, but I felt like Habib was the rightful favorite this time around. A couple years ago, I think Tony would have had a better chance, actually, you know, but the dude's almost 40 years old. Not to discredit him, he's a fucking amazing fighter. So, you know, you can never count out a guy like Tony Ferguson, ever. And I don't fault people for taking either side of that fight. You can make a case for both. So my boy jokers ll says what are the most important things to look for when watching young prospect fighters fantastic question my man so obviously people like knockout power a lot and that's great but what i look for on young prospects is the fight iq and the resolve you know are they able to overcome adversity if they get in bad spots can they overcome it or are they just a front runner i need to know these things so the fight iq is so important to me and the cardio, obviously, the decision-making, which goes back to the fight IQ. So, yeah, I mean, you just got to look at these young prospects and try to envision what their finished product would look like. You, you know, for example, if a guy has got good striking, you know, decent wrestling, good jujitsu, you feel like, okay, his, his wrestling ain't quite on the level now, but in a year or two it will be. So little things like that, areas where you see, hey, they're really trying, but it's not quite there yet, but it will be one day. Like, for example, Douglas Lima, this isn't a prospect. This is a world champion, but let, let me tell you why I'm bringing him up. You watch his first fight with Andre Koroshkov, and you saw how he got taken down at will. You saw his first fight with Rory McDonald. You saw how he got taken down at will. Now, you could say after watching those fights, man, Douglas Lima has zero wrestling defense. What the fuck for a world champion, right? But, or you could look at it from the other perspective of, what will Douglas Lima look like if he keeps improving this area of his game? Well, fast forward to the trilogy match with Koroshkov, and he's stuffing every takedown in such a way where I've never seen takedown defense like that from Douglas Lima. Then the second Rory fight comes along, and he destroyed that guy's calf to a point where I wasn't even sure if we were ever going to see Rory McDonald fight again. So Douglas Lima, I know he's not a prospect, but there's just an example that fighters can improve. And you got to see uh, those areas and... Try to picture what will happen if they do improve those areas. But granted, if the guy has zero wrestling or zero striking defense and it's such a hole and they're not showing any progress or any improvement, then yeah, you can count that that part out of their game. But for example, if you match up Ben Askren and Douglas Lima again, I know you guys remember what happened the first time. Ben won. If they match them up again, I'm telling you guys right now, right here, right now on half the battle, that Douglas Lima would not only stuff those takedowns, he would knock Ben Askren's head into the fifth row. Jared Jackson said, do you guys think Habib went back to Russia knowing he couldn't get out? Also, would you consider this ducking Tony if he knew he would get pulled? No, no, dude. Look, I don't know why you went back to Russia, but that doesn't mean that you, you got to sit here and, you know, talk shit about the guy. If AKA, which is his gym in California, is closed down, well, then he probably has no option but to go back to Russia, run those mountains and, you know, be, be with his old team or whatever the case may be. So, no, I don't blame him for going back to Russia. And, no, I absolutely do not consider this ducking Tony, bro. We're in the middle of a fucking global pandemic. So the guy's 28-0. and 0. Look at who he's beaten. Look what he's done. 
He didn't just, he, you know, people try to act like he just put his head between McGregor's legs and sniffed his crotch. The dude knocked down Conor McGregor and choked him out. So, no, I don't think Habib's ducking anybody. My boy Rampage Fan 420 says, What's Manel Cape's ceiling in the UFC? Great question, dude. So, for those that don't know, this kid Manel Cape, he's uh, from Ryzen, just got signed to the UFC flyweight division. I mean, there's a guy that he beat Ian McCall. It was actually a, a fun fight, even though it was a kind of unfortunate stoppage. But you got to watch the stare down they had. They were slapping each other, then finished him in the first round the next time. And this is a kid in Manel Cape who's been making improvements every single time I see him fight. So, he lost to this kid. Kai uh, Atsuka, what's his name again? Let me let me look up this motherfucker's name. Kai Kai something Atsu, Atsuka, hold up. Okay, so he beat Kai Asukura. Excuse me, he beat Kai Asakura. That's the guy's name. Now let, let, let's let's backtrack a little bit. In 2018, Manel Cape lost to Kai Asakura. Who, by the way, if you guys don't know about my boy Kai Asakura, that's the guy that knocked out uh, Kyoji Horiguchi. You know this dude. He's 14-2 and two as a pro. Very, very serious. Also knocked out Oka Sasaki. Now, they were scheduled to rematch on the New Year's show in Ryzen. And my boy Manila Cape was coming off a nice knockout over Takeya Mizugaki, you know, UFC veteran. But he goes in there against Kai Asukara, Asakura, excuse me, in the rematch. And not only does he dominate him, ladies and gentlemen, but... Uh, he knocks the guy out stiff in the second round. So that's proof that he has been making improvements. He can go out there, avenge, you know, past defeats. And now that the kid is 15 and four, I think he is ready to swim with the Sharks at Flyway. I want to see him in there with a Pantoja. I want to see him in there with a Moreno. I want to see him in there with a Joseph Benavides and see what the kid's uh, ready to prove. I mean, I think he's got the proper experience to make a run right now in the UFC Flyweight division. Havenwood Jim said, who has been cut from the UFC in the past few years that you can see working their way back to the organization? It's a great question. It's a very, very, very good question. Um, I know there was one that we thought, oh, okay, I got it, I got it. Um, this kid, uh, Ismail Nardiev. So he wasn't actually cut. He more so asked for his release because he felt like, even though he was like 19 and three or 20 and three, whatever the case may be, he felt like, he wasn't quite ready to compete at the UFC level. Even though he's a guy that went out there and fucking beat uh, Michelle Tractor Prazerish, which if you can beat that guy, you do belong in the UFC. But Austrian Wonderboy uh, Nardiev, he's just a kid. He's really young, early in his 20s, and he felt like he needed to kind of do a couple things for the mental side of things and then come back to the UFC. So I think if he patches up that part of his game, he can eventually come back. I know there's got to be other examples I'm not thinking of right now. Um, oh, yeah, there is. Perfect. Uh, Mateus Nicolau. Love that kid. Uh, I was shocked when he got cut. But at the same time, that was back when they weren't really sure what to do with the flyweight division because Demetrius Johnson was stinking up the place every single time he fought that they were thinking about getting rid of it. But now that Henry Cejudo is here, and you guys can call it cringe pseudo and the whole bit, but Cejudo's bringing excitement back to the flyweight division. Cejudo's bringing knockouts to the flyweight division, guys. Like, it's so much more exciting right now. And I know people give me shit about some of my takes on Demetrius Johnson, you know, calling him fraud Demetrius Johnson. I mean, it's all fun and games. I, I could never hate on someone that has as many UFC belts in their house as Demetrius Johnson. So I think the guy is absolutely unbelievable. But look, sometimes sometimes you got to give some people shit. Look, this is we still like to have fun and be entertained, right? But there's no lie in saying that Cejudo uh, brought far more entertainment to the flyweight division. And that being said, now that the flyweight division is somewhat booming again, let's get uh, Mateus Nicolau back in the mix. Kevin says, as far as enjoying watching fights, do they need to be judged? At the end, do we really need to have, do we really need to ask three dudes sitting cage side what they think? Betting will adapt to whatever the sport is. Thanks for the show. I really enjoy it. Kevin, firstly, thank you for enjoying the show and for listening, man. We really, truly appreciate that, man. Thank you so much. But yes, we absolutely need judges in the sport because I'll tell you what, if these fights go to decision and there's no judges, every fucking fight's going to be a draw. <laughs> and, uh, the thing you got to understand about these judges, man, the judging system, the judging criteria, the scoring criteria, that's not the issue. The issue is these incompetent, old-ass boxing judges that don't know a fucking thing about MMA. So if you can get the proper training, the proper education, I mean, if these guys went back and studied the history of the sport like I did, then they'd probably make better judges. But uh, And that's not speaking for all of them. That's just for the, you know, the couple ones that like to fuck up these calls. But... Uh, yeah, it's just about the judges being more educated, in my opinion. Johnny says, how long is it acceptable to mourn the loss of Habib and Tony? <laughs> well, 
we're still mourning. We're still mourning it, my man. Uh, it's brutal. It's it's vicious. Uh, hopefully, it happens later this year. But yeah, we're all we're all feeling that, my guy. No doubt about it. Well, guys, thank you so much for these fan questions. Truly appreciate it. Uh, guys, thank you so much for listening to this very special edition of Half the Battle. This uh, quarantine part one edition of Half the Battle. Uh, I'm gonna keep pumping these out, man. Look, we're having fun. Uh, during these stressful times, but honestly, let's not even use that word that I just used to describe these times. Let's let, let, let's uh let's make it a positive time, you know. Uh, try try things that we haven't done before. Get a new hobby. Learn about things. Start reading. Start taking a course online. Start connecting with people you haven't connected with in a while. Whatever the case may be. Uh, let's let's try to use this time to be positive and productive. I know it's easier said than done, and the times have been tough for all of us. Again, feel free to reach out to me if you need someone to talk to, but. Let's make this experience be positive for the most part, as much as we can with everything that's going on. But for everyone that's actually, you know, dealing with it for, you know, people that are actually sick or you have family members that are sick, uh, we're, we're, we're thinking about you, man. You know, we're hoping you pull through, do the right thing, stay quarantined, you know, the social distancing, just do the right thing so we can all get out the house ASAP. So thank you guys so much for checking out this very special edition of Half the Battle. Thank you guys very, very much. Truly love that you guys uh, have my back like this. Just know I got yours. Follow me on Twitter at Best Fight Picks. Subscribe to Half the Battle on iTunes, SoundCloud, YouTube, Stitcher, Spotify, and all the places where we are available. I mean, we're going to be back this week, but definitely going to be back when the fights start back up. Uh, this podcast ain't going nowhere in terms of disappearing. We are staying right here. And I want to let you guys know, I know you guys noticed the audio quality improved big time on the show, but by, uh, by popular demand, I know you guys want the video show too. And trust me when I tell you, I've been hinting at it for a while. It's coming soon. Just got a couple little things to work out and then we'll be right there. But trust me, the video show, Half the Battle, is coming very, very soon. This I promise you, all right? Hold my word to it. Hold me to it, guys. Anyways, thank you guys so much again. Truly appreciate it. Shit. <laughs> you know, normally it's until the next time. Let's cash these bets. But uh, this time, until the next time, stay quarantined, stay healthy, and uh, hopefully we get some positive news and some fight announcements. You guys take care.